Welcome. Can I just say how excited I am to be here this morning to be preaching from Romans 8. I've uh, been studying it this week and I'm really, really excited to be here to have the opportunity to share with you. So welcome again. It's great to be here. Um, And Romans 8 is one of those things, one of those chapters that really builds off from the chapter before it. And if you can remember, for those of you who were here last time I preached, we looked at Romans 7, which was, if we can remember, Romans 7 was for those people, written to those people who chose, who were saved by grace, saved in Jesus Christ, but chose to submit to the law and say, now that I'm saved in Christ, but I still have all these requirements that I have to do and I'm going to choose to remain under the law. And Paul wrote specifically to them to say, Look, that's all well and good, but let's explore this for a second. And don't we all know people like that who are saved by Jesus Christ, but they go, yes, yes, yes. But now that that's the case, I still have to submit and do all these requirements. And can I just say some of those people are some of the saddest people I know. Christians who are confused, Christians who feel condemned, Christians who want to walk away because they don't get it. They go, I thought I was saved by Jesus, but now I have all this stuff that I have to do and I can't do it. I can't fulfill it. And the point, that's the point that Paul was making in Romans 7. Do you know what? You can't do it. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect, but you cannot fulfill the law. And that is the point. You, the law is spiritual and perfect in its spiritual nature and you are carnal and broken in the physical world and you can never, never fulfill the law. You can never do what it requires. Verse 24 of chapter 7 says, O wretched man that I am, who then can deliver me from this body of death? And then in verse 25, he answers the question and says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord for in fact he has delivered me. He has fulfilled the law. He has completed it. And then we move into chapter 8 which is really good because Jesus has saved us from having to fulfill the law. It is Jesus Christ that completely fulfilled the law in every aspect of it. And it is through him that we have been saved. It is through him that we have salvation. It is through him that we no longer have to earn our own righteousness. It is through him that our righteousness is now found. And it is because of that truth I can stand here and boldly proclaim that I am the most righteous person who's ever walked the face of the earth. I know it sounds a little uppity, But it's true. And the same is true of you. Because your righteousness and my righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. And it's got nothing to do with what I have done or have not done. It is all to do with Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And it is on that basis that we are going to look and move into Romans 8. But before we do, let's bow our eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it proclaims to us. And we thank you for the salvation that we find in Jesus Christ and how he has completely fulfilled everything that we needed to do, that we may become, that we have become righteous, that we have become 
your sons and daughters, that we have a new identity in him. And this morning as we look at Romans 8, may that identity, may that truth shine forth in every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I've been moving through Romans, I've been doing it verse by verse and working through. There is so much in chapter 8 that I'm actually going to break away from that a little bit. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to just focus on hopefully three aspects. And I've entitled this um, chapter, The Benefits of Life in Christ. And so I want to focus on three benefits that we have in Christ Jesus Um, And that's if time permits, we may need to uh, scale it back a little bit. Now, I must say as well, I get very excited when I start preaching on this stuff as well. So um, I may just, I'll keep an eye on the time. Uh, But look, if we get to two hours, cut me off, all right? (laughs) I promise that I'll stop at that point. All right, let's open up our Bibles and let's turn to Romans 8 verse 1. And remember, this is on the foundation and on the backbone of him saying, I thank Jesus that he has um, saved me and delivered me. I thank Jesus. And then he says in Romans 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. You see, this is one of the benefits that we have in Jesus Christ because the law... The law came and entered into this world to reveal our own sinful nature, didn't it? And it did that. And by the law revealing our nature, by its very nature, it condemns us. It condemns us because our eyes are focused on the sin. You see, but in Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. This is an amazing concept. Think, I want you to think for one minute of something that you have done in your life that you are ashamed of. Something that you have done in your life that you wish you hadn't done. I want you to think of one thing. And I want you to keep it in your mind for a while. Now, if you're anything like me, that's really difficult to do because which one thing do I choose? Right? I've got lots of things that I'm ashamed of, lots of things that I wish I hadn't done. Right? But just one thing, and I want you to hold it. I'm not going to be here to condemn you, but I just want you to hold it. I've heard preachers say, and potentially I've been one in the past, that we need to repent of every single sin that we've ever committed. That we need to come up with a list of all of our past sins. Of all of the sins we're currently doing and the future ones. And we need to look at them and we need to repent one by one. And going through. And do you know what that does? That actually makes us very, very sin conscious. It actually puts our eyes onto sin. And when we are sin conscious, guess where our eyes are not? On Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And in Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. You see, the scriptural truth is that in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In Jesus Christ, your sins have been cast away as far as the east is from the west. In Jesus Christ, you have been washed clean and set free from that sin that you are remembering right now. It cannot be held against you because you are forgiven and the Father in heaven remembers it no more. 
And so right now, I want you to cast that sin away and remember it no more and never allow it to condemn you again because the Father has forgiven you. The Father will remember it no more, so stop remembering it yourself. And every other sin that you have ever committed, remember no more because in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. And when your eyes are on Jesus Christ, you cannot be on your sin. When we stood around communion table today, we were told, and if you read Ephesians 1, it is all about in him, in Christ, in him. You see, communion is not about us. It is about Jesus Christ and what he has done. And in him is no condemnation. But you might ask, is not God a just God? And God, does God not have to judge sin and therefore judge the sinner? And the truth is yes. Yes, God does. God is a just God. And God does have to judge sin. And that is what he did on the cross. He took all of your sins, including the most shameful sins that you have ever committed and the most shameful sins that I have ever committed, and he took them, and he not only took the ones that I have committed, he took the ones that I have not yet committed, but the ones that I will commit, and he bundled them up, and he took them from me, and he placed them on Jesus Christ at the cross, and he condemned them, and he judged them. And he punished Jesus Christ for those transgressions. And they have been judged. And if God is a just God, then he can never, ever judge them again. Because the minute you and I placed our faith in Jesus Christ, he took our sins. And he bore them for us. And they've been judged. So that there would be now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, God is a just God and God will judge sin. But in Jesus Christ, our sins have already been judged. They've already been judged. Because Jesus bore the judgment. That sin that you had in your mind, let it go. Do not hold on to it. But thank God in Jesus Christ that you are forgiven. That sin will never be held against you. Cannot be held against you. Because it's been judged in Jesus Christ on the cross. Did you see what's happened? He has washed you clean. Don't look to your sin anymore. Because Jesus Christ has set you free from it and you walk in freedom and you walk in liberation and you walk in liberty because of what he has done. And when Satan comes and he wants to remind you of that sin and he wants to bring condemnation back upon you, the best defense, the best defense is to proclaim, yes, that's been judged in Jesus Christ. To speak the words because words have power and say, yes, God is a just God and my sin has been judged. And I thank Jesus Christ for it. And if you have an issue with that, take it up with Jesus. That no longer is my concern. 
for I am forgiven in him. If you have an issue with that, take it up with Jesus Christ. Yes, I was a sinner, but now in Jesus Christ I am a saint, for I am forgiven. And don't get confused and don't believe, don't believe that Satan won't try and use your quiet moments to plant seeds of doubt. But when those seeds of doubt come and he tries to get you to focus on sin again, do not allow your fo- you to become sin conscious and to take your eyes off Jesus Christ, but proclaim, I thank Jesus that that sin has been judged in him and I am free from it. And lift your eyes to ensure that you remain focused on Jesus Christ because when you are focused on Jesus Christ, you cannot be sin conscious. You see, not only has Jesus borne our condemnation and our judgment, No longer is our sin not held against us, but in fact, when the Father in heaven looks down upon you, he no longer sees a sinner. Do not believe the mistruth that you sitting there or I here are a sinner. That is not true. Biblically, you and I are saints. The Father sees us as his sons and daughters. The Father sees us as his righteous ones. The Father sees us as people of beauty and perfection. He sees every good and perfect work that Jesus Christ has done because that is the truth and it is now yours. You see, what happened on the cross is Jesus took everything that you deserved, condemnation, judgment, punishment, and he bore that himself. And when you place your faith In him, he gives you everything that he deserves. Blessing, honour, glory, righteousness, peace, joy, healing, wholeness. And the list goes on and on and on. And everything that he earned, he says, I give to you. That's the transaction that took place. He bore our condemnation, our judgment, our persecution, our punishment, and he gave us his blessings. You see, in Jesus, there is now no condemnation. So set yourself free and let go of remembering the sin that holds you, that condemns you. Because the Father in heaven already has. The Father in heaven already has. And embrace your new identity in Christ Jesus. Embrace it. In Jesus, there is no condemnation, for you have been set free by that. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. This is good news. This is good news, people. Embrace your identity as being in Christ and all of the blessings that he has given you. And do not allow condemnation to come upon you because in Jesus Christ there is now no condemnation. And if you are starting to feel condemned about something, about anything, come back and read this and remember the truth that in him there is no condemnation. And so if you are feeling condemned, it is not by the Father in heaven, it is not by Jesus Christ and it is not by his Holy Spirit. And refocus your attention and put it back on him, our saviour 
and the author of our perfection, Jesus Christ, and rise up again in the identity we have in Christ Jesus. I could go on and I could pre- continue to preach on this topic, but I want to move on because there's so much in Romans 8. But just remember, in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And if that one truth could get into the churches in Australia, the churches in the Western world, the churches around the world, we would not have Christians who are so sad and depressed, who are trying so hard, but they would be set free. I want you to be set free for all, for now and all eternity. The second blessing that I want to talk about The second great thing about a life in Christ is found in Romans 8, verses 9 and 11. And it's that Christ is in us. Christ himself dwells in us. Romans 8, verse 9 says this, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. I want to just pause for a second there. The minute... And I just want to explain this. The minute you believe in your heart that you are saved and confess with your mouth, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so if you are a Christian today, then Christ is in you. The Spirit is dwelling in you. If you are not a Christian today, but you want to know more about Christ, I want you to come and talk to me after the service because I'd love to explain some more of the blessings that you can have and how you can have him come and dwell in you. So let's, Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So we've established that as Christians, as people who are blessed in Christ Jesus, that his spirit dwells within, within us. We're all in agreed with that. But I want you to watch this in verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead, if the spirit who, uh, who physically raised Jesus Christ from the dead, raised his physical body from the dead, if that spirit is in you, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, they're important words, will also. It doesn't say, may if you're good. It doesn't say, mm, could if you wanted to. It says, will also. The Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, who is in us, will also give life to your mortal bodies. Will also give life to you through His Spirit who dwells in you. This word life, or your version might have the word quicken. I'm not sure what you have. Quicken. Okay. This word quicken or life. Okay. It's a powerful word. And I want us to just look at it for a second. It actually means to revitalize. It means to make alive, to give life, to quicken, to produce life. But see this, it also means to give increase of life, to endure with new and greater powers of life. This word isn't just about raising from the dead. 
It's actually about bringing wholeness and healing and well-being to our bodies, restoring us to a better place than where we were. It means that our body in Jesus Christ, the one who dwells in us, will increase our life, restore to wholeness, but not only restore your body, but to make it stronger than it was. This is not what I'm saying. It's not me. This is what the Bible is saying. That the same spirit that raised Christ physically from the dead lives in you and wants to give life to your bodies. To make you whole and stronger than it was. Unfortunately, we often spiritualize this component, don't we? And therefore we miss it. And it's spoken of as being a spiritual aspect of the gospel. But the truth is that salvation is an all-encompassing. Salvation brings health and healing to your bodies. You see, salvation, the word salvation, and I've preached about that here before, doesn't talk about just salvation of the soul, but it talks about bringing redemption and liberty to everything. There are many verses that talk about our physical healing in Scripture, and in a minute we'll talk about some of them. But I want to tell you a little bit. I shared here a couple of weeks ago about my bike race in Perth, where I went up there, had a car accident the night before. My body, um, because I feel like I'm getting really, really old and my body is just falling apart. Um, And someone hit me in the back of the car and I got some whiplash. And the next morning I was supposed to be on this bike race and I, my body was starting to tense up and get tighter and tighter and I was struggling to move and I was driving out to dinner later on and I said to the guy who was there, who's also a Christian, I said, I need you to pray for me. I said, because my body's getting worse and I don't think I'm going to be able to ride tomorrow. And he prayed for me as we were driving along and I felt a tingling in my body, a physical sensation. doesn't happen often to me like that. My body wasn't better at that point, but it didn't get worse. I woke up the next morning and it was fine. I woke up stronger, feeling better than I had before the accident and rode on and it was all good. One of the things I didn't realize, sorry, I rode on. So it was my back that I asked him to pray for. But God not only healed my back, but I normally ride with a sore shoulder. After about 20, 30 k's of riding, my shoulder normally really aches. This was 150 kilometers and I was quite worried about it. I had no pain in my shoulder that day, none whatsoever. I haven't had any more since then. Christ healed not only my back, but my shoulder. Not only that, but it was just this week I realized, so that was a couple of weeks ago, just this week I realized that my knee, which has been a bit iffy, trying to use the right word, dodgy, thank you, And when I sit down and play games on the ground with my kids and cross my legs, I actually need their help to get me up because my knee locks on me, so they have to straighten my leg. I know, I feel old telling these stories. Jeepers. But it was just this week that I realised I haven't had to do that since coming back from Perth. That I've been sitting on the ground with no pain. I straighten my leg and it doesn't hurt. You see, Jesus Christ, in the moment of healing, 
He not only healed my back, which is what I asked for, but he made my shoulder stronger and he restored my knee to its full health. You see, that is the power of Jesus Christ. That is the spirit that dwells within us, that brings healing to us. I want to share another story that I heard about yesterday. And this one, my goodness, this one excites me. I was listening to someone who's doing ministry in in Afghanistan. And can I just say, God is moving powerfully right now in the Muslim nations, in in the Islamic world. He is doing some phenomenal things, so please keep them in your prayers. He was a leader and a minister, and he was telling about someone who was a Muslim and had been diagnosed with cervical cancer. And she was in her room, and she was desperate, and she was crying out to her God, this God that she did not know. She was crying out to this God that she did not know for healing. And can I say that that Allah is no God? But she was crying out for healing. And she looked up and she saw a man walk through her wall. And she said, what are you doing here? You're not allowed to be here. And he said, why are you crying, my daughter? And she said, who are you? And he said, my name is Yeshua. Why are you crying, my daughter? She had never heard this name before. She wasn't crying out to the God of the Jews. She wasn't crying out to Yahweh, our God. She was crying out to a God she did not know. But the God, the true, the one and only God, heard the desperate cries of this young lady who was crying out for healing. And he appeared to her and he said, I have come to give you healing. You are healed. And he left. And she walked out and said to her husband, and long story short, they went to the doctors. And indeed, she was healed of cancer. And that lady had never heard of the name Yeshua, didn't know who it was, but later on some time, after trying to know who this person was, turned the radio on and they were praising this man called Yeshua, who is Jesus. And she rang up the radio station and said, Who is this man? Because he appeared before me and he healed me. Tell me about him. And she was led to the Lord that moment. And she went and shared it with her husband who was led to the Lord. And the rest of her family was led to the Lord. And her friends and family members extended were led to the Lord. You see, Jesus doesn't care whether or not they know him. He is moving powerfully in the Islamic world. He can move in the same powerful way in your life and bring healing to your body. Another story that that guy shared, and I'm I'm getting off a little tangent, but this is good. This Muslim man had an anger problem. And it's nothing in there to beat your wife, to speak harshly to your wife. And he had an anger problem and that's what he was doing. He was taking it out on his wife. And this man had a, had a chat to him, the leader of this ministry. And he said, does your God want you to be angry? And he said, I don't think so. But I can't stop it. And he said, my God doesn't want you to be angry. And my God can. 
And he shared just a couple of verses with him and he went away. That man who shared some verses to that angry man later that week had over 15 different men come back to him and said, who is this Jesus that you shared with him because his anger has gone completely, it is vanished. Tell us about this Jesus because we want him in our life. And this Jesus is healing their broken nature, their broken character, and he's restoring wholeness and wellness into them. And in the same way, the spirit that dwells within us can do that for us also, bring wellness and wholeness. And I want to share some verses to show that biblically it matches up because a lot of people have problems with this concept of God being able to heal our bodies. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. 1 Peter chapter 2, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from them, uh, snatching them from the door of death, Psalm 107. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. Psalm 91. He also brought them out with gold and silver and there was none feeble among his tribes. That was Psalm 105. Beloved, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. That's 3 John chapter 1. Matthew 8 chapter 2 tells of a story. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. You see, Jesus is reaching out to us and he's saying, but with the spirit of my spirit that raised me from the dead, I am willing to bring healing and wholeness upon your life. Romans 8.11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In fact, Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation it is the power of god to salvation you see remember that word salvation it's all encompassing the power of salvation is what it is the gospel of christ rest in this read it listen to preachers who will proclaim the grace of god and rest in it so that healing and wholeness can come upon you in fact, I want to pray for you guys now for that because there may be some right here who need healing, who need wholeness brought back to their life. So I'm going to ask everyone to shut their eyes. Bow your heads. If you are needing healing or restoration or wholeness, I just want you to raise your hands. If there's something, yep, I see those hands. 
see those hands, put them down. I just want to pray for you right now. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for what he has done for us on the cross. And we thank you that his spirit dwells within us. Father, for those people who are in front of me now and for myself also, I pray your healing upon each and every one of them. I pray that you will increase the quality of their life in their bodies, that you will restore their bodies to wholeness. Father, I pray that you will make it stronger than it was. Whether it's character, whether it's physical, whatever it is, Father, you know. And in Jesus' name, I proclaim your healing upon every person here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not even halfway through the sermon. Told you two hours go very, very quickly. Would you like me to pick this chapter up again next week? Or not next week, but next time I preach and the goodness? We'll do that, shall we? All right. Um, Just between now and then, I just want you to remember those two things that we've looked at. And I've only got through the first part of the second one. In Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. None. So do not walk and do not allow condemnation to come upon you. And rest in the truth of the salvation and the gospel message and allow him to wash over you and bring healing and wholeness in every aspect of your life. Uh, Before we sing the benediction, I just want to read the last two verses of Romans 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go with the knowledge that nothing will ever take you out of the loving, caring hands of Jesus Christ.